Welcome, everyone. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a show this week. We are doing HBO's Watchmen. I know, we didn't do it when it came out in the fall. We made a decision not to do it, but we didn't do it then, thinking that there was still an opportunity at some point on the horizon that we would be able to get to it. Uh, And the anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre just happened. All of the press has been covering the the president's so you know appearance there for his rally. Everybody's learning about the Tulsa race massacre. This was a perfect opportunity for us to really do the research and really learn about this. Again, we don't know anything. I'm sorry for everything. We don't know anything. <laughs> the uh, title of the show holds up. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so th- please, th- this is us. Uh, this is us delving into it. We're learning. We're trying to do what we can in the in the midst of this movement. So yeah, we're we're getting right into it. HBO's Watchmen. It's a follow up from the uh, original Watchmen uh, comic book. It certainly would help if you have not read the comic book. We, By the way, we have done a whole episode about that. This is not a direct se- a sequel from the Zack Snyder Watchmen, but it definitely can help you. Uh, I, I think it's kind of made to blur the lines of yeah. about what, w- which reality this really fits in. So technically, this is of its new, fresh, totally on its own sequel to a comic book with no pre-existing media that's really the the way it was created and looked at um, by and the, the creators. And so. the start of the show takes place in 1921 with the Tulsa Race Massacre. And the book, the way that the book factors in, is that the showrunner, Damon Lindelof, found this book through serendipity, actually after looking hard to find any information about this, yeah. found the book and realized that this had to be in a piece of media. So... Just as a side note, uh, he was the showrunner and co-creator of Lost. Right. So he has TV chops. The question of why him to make this thing. So he said he had read Watchmen, the original thing, Mm -hmm. when he was 13. And he said, quote, in the same way I wanted to work on a Star Trek movie and an alien movie, he did Star Trek Into Darkness and Prometheus. He said, this is something from my childhood that I carry a tremendous amount of nostalgia for. So he kept turning it down because they would offer it to him multiple times right after Zack Snyder had made his a few other times. And he said, this isn't for me. I want to respect Alan Moore, who's insane and doesn't (laughs) think that it and he knows, too, because he read it when he was 13. It can't be changed into anything else. Right. It's very much a comic book. We cover that in our our episode is it, it uses its format. Uh, on its sleeve it 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 exists as that kinetic ball of energy that is that particular format right around this time he is reading ta-nehisi coates atlantic article called the case for reparations and there's a small section in that article about the tulsa race massacre Mm -hmm. and he said oh it why have i not known anything about this what is this? What is this small segment that's saying this whole town got decimated? Yeah, I mean, I very much the, watching the show, I had no idea. I had never heard of this until yeah. the show came out. And all the more, too, it kind of echoed the Atlanta child murders, which we covered connected yeah. to uh, Mindhunter, is that uh, I'd never really heard that history. It turns out that history had not been uh, totally solved. That's why I'd not heard about it. Yeah. Uh, so we've got to start asking ourselves, why have we not heard these stories? So, that's, so, at, yeah. that's at the core of this. And that's really at the core of, I think, what Lindelof is doing in the writing is like, there's a problem with why we haven't heard this, why mm-hmm. we have been told this particular version of our history. So I went down the trail, similarly, I guess, to what Damon did of trying to find this thing. I read the book that he ended up finding as well called The Burning by Tim Madigan. 
And this is the mm. only real work that exists that's published about this. There's three other novels that have this as a focal point, yeah. but it's not. This is the real journalistic source. So I'll explain as we go how he was able to find all of this and why it was hidden and why this information isn't out there. Just for to, to kind of preface what the series covers, just to kind of give us some context here, this, the series covers a, a main character, a, a black police officer, uh, Angela Abar, played by Regina King. She's also from The Leftovers, if you're familiar with that. She had a, a part in, in Ray, If Beale Street Could Talk, and ABC's American Crime, uh, a lovely, lovely actress. So she's the lead of this. Uh, she plays Angela Abar. She's a police officer and also a vigilante uh, sister knight. Um, and there's this sort of renegade KKK. So, so just yeah. to give you some context, there's an up there's Perfect, an there's yeah. an uprising in, uh, facing off with the police. We don't really trust the police. There's a police officer finding out her own history mm -hmm. uh, and how she connects directly to what's happening in this small town in, in Oklahoma. So back to Damon Lindelof. As he's reading the burning about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, he's on board to do this Watchmen thing, and he's trying to think, okay, the onus for the series, what am I going to do with Watchmen? Because I'm not going to remake right. the graphic novel. Well, he how said, do you have anything to say? And I think yeah. that's a really important thing here before we get the, the wheels turning is, is you know, if you want to come up with something, you want to tell a story, and you want to have all these great you know pieces, and you want to do this world, you want to do these characters, you want to mm -hmm. do a continuation that feels right. But- Ultimately, Watchmen was talking about something. It was talking yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. So you have got to find something you want to say. Yeah. And you've got to be talking about something that has got to be inherent to the source material. <laughs> this, is no, this is no accident. I just yeah. want to stress that <laughs> finding a historical in and having something to say is integral to coming up with something that is, is long-lasting. And particularly as it pertains to Watchmen, because the original one, when it came out, it, it was about the Doomsday Clock, the Cold War. Yeah. Those... Fears were huge in the 1980s. And for our times, it's racial tensions. That is what is at yeah. the height right now. Yeah. And so he was trying to think. And he's also said to not tell a story about race in the context of a political right. piece in 2019 feels irresponsible. <laughs> uh, and so then he's thinking... This is a quote from him. If I just make a documentary about it, it's going to be gone in a flash. But if I actually drop this story into some piece of well-known pop culture, there you go. maybe there's a way to bring it to light. And what pop culture perfectly blends real-life history with alternate history, it's Watchmen. Because to him, and probably to most people yeah. now, this 1921 Tulsa race massacre feels like an alternate history. When people Absolutely. saw the show, they were like, oh, this is some fabrication right. of Watchmen. Right. Like the other stuff. That's exactly how I thought about Mindhunters. Like, there wasn't an Atlanta child murderer. I've yeah. never heard of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as a last person involved in this, Nicole Cassell, who directed the first three episodes also mm -hmm, read mm -hmm. this book because she was the one who was putting that fantastic, on yeah. the screen. Oh, fantastic. And by the way, she's also done episodes of Castle Rock on Hulu, the Stephen King series, and Westworld, which we have an episode on that as well. So the book that they all read, The Burning by Tim Madigan, this is, like I said, the only book that came out about this, came out in 2001. Hmm. Why did it come out in 2001? Yeah. How did this guy find it? Let's go through the chain of events leading through history. And I found so much more than I even realized. I thought I was just yeah. going to be talking about the race massacre of right, 21. Just 21, yeah. But there is so much more to it. So we have to go back to the topic at hand, oh, which man. is that. And there's a quote that I found from an interview of someone talking about this, a historian. And they said, this is a horrific event, but not an exceptional one. 
Mm. Mm. And that was very strange to me because I would think it would be both. Right. And why would it, why is that the case? How is it not exceptional? So because I'll, before we get into the details here, but the kind of the the story around is that this was the Black Wall Street. So mm-hmm. then if that's the truth, then I think, oh, well, then it is it is particular in some way. It is special yeah. in some way. But we're going to find out that there's definitely more to it than that. So let's talk about what this was. Greenwood was a district in Tulsa, like you said, called Black Wall Street. This is in 1921 in Oklahoma. At the time, Tulsa, the bigger city proper, had 100,000 people. Hmm. For context, Santa Monica in LA has that now. So that's about the size of Tulsa at the time. Greenwood, which is the district, had 10,000 black residents. How this came to be, there was this guy, O.W. Gurley. He was a wealthy black landowner, and he purchased 40 acres of land in Tulsa. He'd loan money for businesses because at this time, everything is segregated. Mm -hmm. So this became a... I guess what they would call a freedom colony in a way from slaves after reconstruction oh, that had come there, yeah. various people that are looking to move. So another guy, J.B. Stratford, was born into slavery in Kentucky. He became a lawyer and activist. He moved there in 1898, built a 55-room luxury hotel there. Oh, A.J. Smitherman, a publisher, founded the Tulsa Star, which was the newspaper there yeah. for the black community. Greenwood Avenue became the main avenue through there, and it didn't bisect any other white neighborhoods. So this really became- Kind of a a stronghold. Yeah. uh, uh, Just a a safe community, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it seems crazy because, talking about it in this way, but for the time, it was- insane that this had luxury shops, restaurants, grocery stores, hotels, clothing stores, a movie theater, barber shops, a library, nightclubs, doctors, lawyers, dentists- They had their own school system, post office, bank, hospital, and taxi service. All of that in this 35-block area called Greenwood. And because of segregation, it actually helped improve because really? uh, it from the time there was a quote, somebody said, it is said within Greenwood, every dollar would change hands 19 times before it left the community. Right. Because they couldn't do anything else. Right. So I don't know just- if I've talked before, if Killer Mike has a series on Netflix where he does that exact experiment in Atlanta uh, of seeing how long he can keep his money in the black community, because there's whole statistics of how long a dollar actually spins in a community mm-hmm. before it has to go out. It's paid to somebody else to who owns that company that it's being yeah. paid to. So uh, I can't remember all of it now, but he goes in detail. There's an episode. Killer Mike has a, has a great series on Netflix that has all these like racial myths that he just really attacks. And this is a, a really in, uh, impressive one that made me think about where I'm spending my money, how I'm spending my money, yeah. uh, who owns the company that owns the the store that I'm spending my money at. So, And you see that now with the movement that's going on. There is a huge push for people to rightfully so say, hey, support. Right. Black owned right. businesses. Yeah. If you're going to buy, I see that all the time on on social media. People pass, passing around like the best uh, minority owned businesses here in L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I hope that's going on yeah. in other places. But yeah. I know that's going on here. So, but for this particularly with Greenwood, like I said, 19 times it's changing hands. This place is flourishing. So why would this attack happen in 1921? It seems like a random year. Seems like Roaring Twenties. You know, maybe right. we're not it as well versed in the context, right. of this place and time. So that's where is this I. The only time this ever had <laughs> that this kind of thing ever happened was it the only kind of Black Wall Street yeah, ever? How- you know, like so that's kind of that's still our trepidation of getting into these waters of learning about these things is we're gonna realize maybe <laughs> this isn't even- a lot that we don't know. Uh, there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. So let's go back in time. 
several years before yeah. and just talk about the setup. And I'm going to bring up a few different categories here. Keep in mind, looming large, 1918, the pandemic flu that we that we've been talking about. Yeah. The, the 1918 flu. There was an influenza pandemic swept the, the world uh, in, in uh, 1918. So it, it, this, it's scary, the echoes to today. Almost. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting because as I was looking into this and more of the other things that were happening, you could almost see why the flu got glossed over in history. Yeah. And we had this pandemic or having this pandemic with the coronavirus and people are like, flu in 1918, why are there not records? Why isn't that such a big deal? Because of all of these other things that are happening. So one of them, World War I ended. Right. Troops that had mobilized, there were something like 300,000 soldiers that were African-American ending up in World War I. Really? Like we said in our previous episode, there were a few that had to start at the start that were a part of the French right, army. Right, but then after the draft happened, many, many more right. ended up getting over. So immigration was also cut off in the US during the span of World War I. Industrial cities that are growing have labor shortages. Mm. So at the same time as well, black people did not want to live in the South. <laughs> right. So right. there's- da I mean, it's 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 dangerous, yeah. it, 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 yeah. flat out. It's dangerous. And that's what we're talking about. It's not safe to live as a black American in America, especially at this time. So with all of those factors in play, by 1919, 500,000 African Americans emigrated to the Northeast and the Midwest. Because like I said, there's new positions expanding with these yeah. industries that are growing. There were jobs that were held by white people, immigrants that are now up for opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these African American citizens from the South are coming up and fulfilling those roles and prospering. And as well, the 300,000 that are coming back from the war. Right. Um, there is a famous author, W.E.B. Du Bois. He yeah. has an essay that he wrote called Returning Soldiers, mm. and it gives a great sentiment of the time. And I just wanted to read oh, a small portion of it. This is at the very end of his essay. This is the country to which we soldiers of democracy return. This is the fatherland for which we fought, but it is our fatherland. It was right for us to fight. The faults of our country are our faults. Under similar circumstances, we would fight again. But by the God of heaven, we are cowards and jackasses. If now that the war is over, we do not marshal every ounce of our brain and brawn to fight a sterner, longer, more unbending battle against the forces of hell in our own land. We return. We return from fighting. We return fighting. Make way for democracy. We saved it in France. And by the great Jehovah, we will save it in the United States of America or know the reason why. Amen. Wow. And that is exactly the sentiment that is coming back. So that's happening yeah. in, in coming into uh, 1919. Something that created a lot of problems and emboldened those against equality was uh, media portrayals, the big one being Birth of a Nation, right? That happened in 1915. Bolden the Klan. It's responsible for how we like view the Klan really at all. Uh, it gave the them the idea of, the, of cross yeah. burnings. Yeah. like that wasn't a part. All, all of the all of the the dressing that we're familiar with comes from Birth of a Nation. It also demonized specifically black men as going after white women. Interesting thing here, and this could there's a, there's a small uh, offshoot, but it also could be responsible for, in some way, the modern superhero adorning a getup, 
right. ri- riding vigilante st- mask. Exactly, yeah. vigilante justice in some sort of way. The iconography of the uh, of the dress, mm-hmm. uh, the horse, all, all of that, those types of things. There is a, another way to frame this in in your mind when we look at how uh, ideas bleed off mm-hmm. to go. Oh, uh, there's this idea of vigilanteism is is deeply connected perhaps to racism in right. America in particular mm-hmm. uh, that it, 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 that's something that I've that only been thinking of while yeah. inter- while looking at this show in this context now mm-hmm. uh, in in the middle of the movement that I'm and I'm really realizing and, and it's yeah. a little disturbing it's so now now that we're going through this Watchmen is really giving an amazing end to to learn about this type of thing and now it's making me really want to go back to even the boys mm-hmm. and and finish that out and see what all that is presenting behind it um, yeah all all over again you know and we've already done that and I want to go I'm like wait I want to look at it with a different lens yeah now. so there are a few other things before we even get into the big piece that is creating this unrest and these problems one of which is the first Red Scare. 1917 was the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, Mm -hmm. led by Vladimir Lenin. So there was a fear by Woodrow Wilson and others in America of a socialist and communist Communist revolution in the US, which then also got falsely attributed to black people, similar to in the civil rights movement where the Black Panthers were considered socialists and communists and COINTELPRO, the CIA was looking at. I never, it hardly even occurred to me. Yeah, uh, that makes total sense that, of of course, and that's part of the thing of of like understanding my, my, you know, my blind spots here of like, oh, that this one tactic used in this one area, Mm -hmm. well, that tactic uh, comes from somewhere that tactic has a long history of being used in other places and other yeah. ways of saying people looking for equality are actually looking for an uprising and a complete right reevaluation of society so last thing before what happened in the summer of 1919 along with all of this that's going on is there are in a completely different field but creating chaos in america anarchist bombings going on so from april through what june of 1919 this Italian anarchist, Luigi Galliani, oh, no. uh, followers of his, had 36 booby-trapped dynamite-filled bombs mailed to prominent politicians and appointees, including the attorney general, newspaper editors, oh, businessmen. God. John D. Rockefeller got one. Wow. They just wanted to end it all. And then on June 2nd of that year, 1919, they detonated nine bombs simultaneously in eight different cities. Washington, D.C., Boston. using up Simultaneously? Yeah. In 1918? Yeah. This 1919, is in, yeah. Or, uh, uh, 1919? This yeah. is amazing. This is... Uh... I, you wouldn't yeah. that, simultaneous in eight cities. Yeah, on the same day in 1919. Yeah, so all of that is going on, and I'm Sounds thinking like a God, high concept Tom Cruise movie, right? Or so, you know, like yeah. This, and then we think like, oh, that's why nobody cared about the flu anymore, right? <laughs> like, so uh, we are paying the dividends of our of our of our small points of view. Yeah, oh, God, I swear, yeah. our blinders. If, if I'm I'm mad. Yeah, I'm yeah, mad. Yeah. There's a reason. There's got to be a reason. Why haven't we heard this mm-hmm. stuff? Why haven't we, we learned these stories? Why haven't we, le- we learned our own history? Mm-hmm. I'm, I, we've got to be asking those questions. We've got to be following it down. It's not just oh, interesting. It, it, oh, oh, and it's not just, how many not how many how how much how much black history am I willing to just go? Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm 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 not anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm really every every piece of it only makes me more angry at the system who 
only allowed me to look away from it. Yeah. So as I looked into the Tulsa Race Massacre of 21 and was started going back and saying, what preceded this, 1919? Like I said, all of this stuff is happening. Coming back from World War I, Birth of a Nation was super popular. The Red Scare is going on in the US in relation to Russia. These anarchists are bombing during that summer. What gets overlooked is also during that summer of 1919. It's called the Red Summer by historians. The reason for that, from April to October, at least 36 cities erupted in bloodshed and riots, which are now being deemed massacres because riot has a- Like a racial bias uh, connotation to it almost of like who is the perpetrator and, and, and what we're trying to uh, iterate here is that these are, these are white uh, instigators. Right. Uh, the rioters in this situation, if there's a rioters here, are the white people, right. not, not the African-American community. So hundreds of people, most of them black, were killed and thousands are injured. Tens of thousands are forced to flee their homes. These are against black communities, like you said. If, if they were to be called riots, they're the White people are the rioters attacking, burning. That's, that's why now to, to put the the own like to actually say what well, happened to them. It was a massacre of them. I think that is yeah. like kind of the idea to re- replacing the you know X and X riot with X and X massacre. Let me just let this summer wash over you. Jenkins County, Georgia, April thirteenth. Six deaths, destruction of property, including a black church. Charleston. South Carolina, May 10th, martial law was instituted after the attacks. Bisbee, Arizona on July 3rd, police attack the Buffalo Soldiers Unit from World War I that was there. Longview, Texas, July 10th, deaths of four men. The entire housing district was destroyed. Garfield Park, Indiana, July 14th, gunfire. A seven-year-old was wounded. D.C. and Norfolk, Chicago in August. There was a young black swimmer who crossed an invisible line separating whites from blacks in Lake Michigan. Somebody threw a stone and drowned him. Oh, my God. Knoxville, Tennessee in August. Omaha in September. A mob physically attacked the mayor. These are white people before destroying the local courthouse to seize. And then they lynched a black man accused of assaulting a white woman. Oh, my God. The biggest one, Elaine, Arkansas, September 30th. Sharecroppers were organizing in a church for better working conditions. Yeah. And white men fired shots into the church. So they fired back. A white man was killed. Vigilante militias, the KKK, the governor demanded federal troops. So this is a thousand vigilantes and 538 troops. 237 African-Americans hunted and killed over three days throughout the countryside. Businesses were looted and set on fire. And then the, the thing that was crazy to me, massive news cover-up, fabricated press statements about an insurrection against whites. There is, in history, a New oh York Times God. a New York Times headline read, Planned Massacre of Whites Today, and the Arkansas Gazette said that it was a zone of Negro insurrection. After that reporting, 100 African Americans were indicted, 12 were sentenced to death. Oh my God. After a years-long battle by the NAACP, 12 the, the men were acquitted years and years later. Oh, wow. But that's just a third of, like I said, over 36 cities that this stuff is happening. And what's crazy to me is, like I said, remember Birth of a Nation where 
that that is the the stereotype or the prejudice set against specifically black men. If you look at the instigations for all of this, yeah. almost all of them revolve around a white woman accusing a black man of doing something, mm-hmm. and then the mob comes in and just destroys the entire town. Right. There was a telegram to Woodrow Wilson in August of that year from the NAACP, and it said, The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People respectfully inquires how long the federal government under your administration intends to tolerate anarchy in the United States. Oh, my God. So all of that is happening in 1919. The Red Summer. Yeah. God. So Let's, yeah, this and the, and again, these don't come out of anywhere either. So uh, there there are more of these for mm-hmm. years and years and years since uh, since the Civil War. Yeah, uh, the you know the black people didn't just you know pick up their things and and start their own town you know town a couple miles over and have no tension. Uh, we've really got to understand that and understand that the echoes of all of this tension all through then through it, it reverberates all the through way the to 60s, now yeah and yeah. And, and, and and that's something that i think that watchman covers to a degree is the the racism and how it is uh, there is the race war and then there is the response the political war uh, there is actually the war in the street and then there is the politicization mm-hmm. of uh, a response and so how is the response we saw uh, how many how many troops show up yeah. on on the on a couple 500 on, yeah uh, the, the the governor uh, <laughs> calls you know. them in yeah and then how the how they sent information to the media the new york times reported it wrong so okay, uh, uh, we have you know we win the we win the civil war. We let we have to let all the slaves go, and all the people in power are still all the same people in power. You don't think that at some point they made some racist laws, and you know like, that they did not have control over and shape society for decades and decades and decades and hundreds of years afterwards. Mm-hmm. That is what we're attacking here, and that's what we've got to acknowledge here, the systemic racism. We're not talking about individual people being racist in the system. We're talking about the policies created, uh, the policies themselves, the policy, the words, the being racist, being systemically racist from the past. This this policy, again, these policies, usually they don't come out anywhere, and they evolve. how did no white people get arrested for doing illegal things? Right. Like killing people. Let's go back. We, like, yeah. I, I just like, to, I, I love to hear p- people put stamps on, you know, we solved it then, or we solved it here. We had the Civil Rights Act of 1965. We elected Obama. You know, like, whatever, you know, okay, we did, we did it then, we did it then, we did it then, we did it then. But we've got to understand that the problems of this uh, permeate just about every facet of our society, and we've got to start exercising it out, calling yeah. it out understanding where it exists under just be and mostly i think the first step is the kind of growing thing we're going through is understanding uh, how to identify it Mm -hmm. and and, and i think that's the scary part is that understanding that oh this thing i've been comfortable with my entire life actually is a proponent of racism Mm -hmm. uh that and it We've got to be secure and confident enough in ourselves to grow and learn, to understand that we can move past this moment we're in now mm-hmm. uh, if we accept where we have been and the ignorance we've carried. Recently, 
driving in Los Angeles traffic, yeah. you get frustrated because there's all these cars and you can't go where you want to go. Yeah. And time just keeps adding and adding and adding. And you think, oh, this stupid traffic. But you sit there and look at it. You take yourself out of the car and you realize, I am part of the traffic. The problem, like you can't get mad at the traffic and also yeah. be in the traffic. In, yep. You can't get yep. mad at society and also not be it. Like you are, we are all part of the traffic. Yeah, that's a great way. We're all it. part of keeping it moving. Yep. So, like, if you like, once, like you said, once you realize that, then you can start learning and listening and get to work. Yeah, but you have to realize I am part of the traffic. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go forward to after all of that, Tulsa. Now, 1921. This community, Greenwood, has been flourishing. Thinking of all of that stuff right. that's been going on in the rest of the country, the Tulsa Star newspaper, remember I said that they had their own newspaper yeah. as well, they encouraged black folks to take up arms and show up at courthouses and jails to make sure that people who were on trial were not taken and killed by lynch mobs. Oh my gosh. Like that was, you know, it's like, well, this is going to happen here, so we've got to be prepared for it. Right. So this is May 30th, Memorial Day of 1921, and this is the situation that starts Watchmen. Let's take a look at South Main Street. This is in downtown Tulsa. There is a guy coming from a shoe parlor. He is a man, actually a boy, really. He's 19 years old, Dick mm. Rowland. That's actually not even his real name. He was adopted after showing up as a kid at the door of a woman in the early 1900s oh, wow. in Oklahoma, and then she moved with him and the rest of her family. Oh, my gosh. And he just took that name because he liked it. The city is segregated, as we know. He is in the Tulsa part of it. Okay. So he can't. He works at a white shoeshine shop. Okay. He can't use the toilet facilities there, and there's no separate one. There's no other facility that he can use at the shoeshine parlor. And in fact, nowhere else in that street can he use except for oh there's a separate one on the fourth floor of an adjacent building. So he goes over there. There is a 17-year-old elevator operator, Sarah Page, who is a white woman who operates the elevator going up and down. What happens is up for debate. She screamed, and the theory is that he tripped and reached out to grab her arm as he's going into the elevator. Oh, I so see. So she screams. So he flees back to his mom's home to hide Okay, because immediately... The clerk from the uh, store is yelling to call the police because yeah. this some woman's been assaulted by a black man. She didn't oh even know God. what happened. She's just saying, oh, this guy assaulted oh her. Gosh. It's revealed, like I said, that he did not assault her. A potential theory, like I said, beyond the fact that he just fell yeah. and grabbed her arm was that they were actually courting each other. And this was an opportunity to see her often because the thing was, they knew each other. Oh, like what? I said, oh. this was the only bathroom that he could go to, certainly. And it's the only elevator. Like he would have known her. This right. wasn't a random encounter gotcha. between them. Okay. A front page story. So the news immediately picks this up in the Tulsa Tribune, the other newspaper. That afternoon, it came out that police had arrested Roland for sexually assaulting Page. What? And the quote... The, the the top of the, the paper said, nab Negro for attacking girl in elevator. The reason the, the grabbing the arm thing is validated is because after the massacre happened, there had they had been doing an investigation immediately that day. But the June 2nd paper from 1921, yeah. the quote from Sarah Page said that he didn't do anything but grab her arm. 
and she didn't press charges on him after that. So even she, after the fact, said, yeah. oh, no, he just grabbed my arm. So this whole thing is just steamrolled by aggression elsewhere. Just and a random use the clerk. narrative to, to instigate some sort of... Right. Yeah. And he's heard this, so he runs immediately to go hide because he's in the all-white part of town. Yeah. So he goes and hides out at his mom's house, um, but the news had already put out this provocative story that afternoon. So he's arrested the next morning yeah. and moved to the courthouse. Now, this is May 31st. An angry white mob shows up at the courthouse, as we've seen time and time again. The sheriff, who is on the law's side, refuses to give him up to oh. the townsfolk. Yeah. 25 armed black men arrive at the courthouse as evening is is coming upon us. Most of them are World War I veterans. Yeah. Black World yeah. War I veterans offering to help and guard this guy who is in the oh, courthouse. Man. As rumors of a lynching spread, 75 more armed black men return. It's now 10 p.m. at night, but they're met with 1,500 white folks, oh, mostly armed. So an altercation ensues because the sheriff is yelling at everybody to leave, everybody to go home. Things start to unravel. A white man oh, tries man. to grab a black man's pistol and shots are fired. Ugh. So now it just gets set off. In it's front of the there, courthouse, yeah. 12 people are killed and oh, the black men retreat to Greenwood, where they live. The mobs of armed white men then come after them, loot homes, burn businesses, shoot any black person that they see in the street. 35 city blocks this all is through depicted, the night. Uh, in Watchmen, a couple scenes uh, of, of the, this horrific event, which I, this is the first time I think this has ever been committed to any kind of uh, yeah. film, visual medium at all. Um, so, it, And it's quite striking in the way that they recreate it. Um, it's, it is nothing short of horrific. Yeah. All through the night and into the morning of June 1st, firefighters later on testified that rioters threatened them to leave. So they tried to come in from neighboring oh, Tulsa and be involved. This is a part of the Watchmen story that people thought, oh, this is why this is alternate history is because civilian planes were used to drop firebombs right. on the town. And that actually did transpire yeah, that from did happen. witnesses. Only at noon did the National Guard come in to declare martial law, but by that point, it was already all destroyed and everybody had been removed. And it sounds it sounds like crazy, like uh, uh, to be like, oh, they were firebombing. That the, the all history, yeah. like they were firebombing from like a from a, from an airplane in 1921 or whatever. But again, remember the Italian anarchist who's yeah. fire, who's bombing all these. <laughs> yeah. So it's like there there is a history of there's a precedent for that at the time mm -hmm. even. So this is not just something that came out of nowhere. Uh, it's not just it's not fake because they're doing that. It's like this is something that did happen back yeah. then. Yeah. It did. So, like we said, the population, 10,000. It's all destroyed. 10,000 black people are left homeless. There are hundreds dead, property damage in the dozens of millions. 1,256 houses are burned. Oh, my God. Like we said, all of that stuff that was built up, the newspaper, the school, the library, the hospital, the churches, the hotels, the stores. A whole settlement. Everything. Gone. In the hours after, all the charges, like I said, were dropped against uh. Roland. He left Tulsa the next morning and never returned. Wow. It is still to this day a mystery where he went. Really? Interestingly, Sarah Page also left 
and she sent a letter to the attorney general saying she did not want to prosecute when the case came up in September. Oh my and gosh. so there, there is a mystery as to where she went as well. Oh, wow. Which is oh, why hey, the theory uh, of there was huh? a thing between them. I see. And she had just lashed out. And then it escalated from there, and neither of them wanted this to be the case, obviously. Yeah, what happened to him? Oh my gosh. Nobody knows. That's, that's insane. That's amazing. Now we have the many survivors that are left. Everyone in the town stayed silent. It's omitted from the news and the history books. Like we said, the Tribune, the one that posted that initial right. article, you know, the initial thing that got everybody up in arms right. to get him arrested, removed that front page story. It's not in their bound volumes. Like you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> it didn't happen. We didn't incite a riot here. We didn't, the, we didn't. Nope, not us. The archives from the police are missing from that day as oh my well. God. So the question for me is why are so many no people si- well, why are so many people silent about like it was a city of 100,000 people, 10,000 people are displaced. Why are nobody why is nobody from either side involving themselves in right. what this was? Right. So this took me down even further and we have to talk about a place called Rosewood. Rosewood. Rosewood, Florida. Florida? Mhm. So, here's the story behind it. This is 1982. Jumping way ahead in time, there's a oh, repo- man. there's a reporter named Gary Moore, and he was from the St. Petersburg Times in Florida, and he was in an area close to the Panhandle called Cedar Key. Didn't have a story. He noted to a local that it seemed gloomy here, and then he looked into the history. He wondered why the town was all white when it had been nearly half black at the start of the century. Mm. And the local woman replied to him, "Quote: I know what you're digging for. You're trying to get me to talk about that massacre." And he's just flabbergasted because he's like, nobody has said or known anything about this. So this is, he then looks into it and gets all this information. This is 19- Rosewood, Florida. This is 1982. The situation that she's talking about, which she thinks he's there to dig up this information, which journalists talked about on the beat, trying to find yeah. a story. What happened here? What is the history of this town? Yeah. Odd, uh, just odd numbers. I'm just mm-hmm. curious. And gets this uh, a ma- there was a massacre here, yeah. <laughs> Remark. So, nineteen twenty-three, two years after the Tulsa race massacre. Oh man, this is a small town, two hundred black citizens, and one white family who ran the general store. A white woman accused a black man of breaking into her house and assaulting her. The husband, who was a known abuser, mm-hmm. so a lot of people are like, "Well, it was him, or it was somebody else." Uh-huh. There was issues. They gathered 500 KKK members from a nearby rally and went on a manhunt, destroying the town. Again, false reporting of armed black citizens going on a rampage. So everybody fled into the swamps. Hiding and hunting went on for days oh my God. in this town. Again, burned every everybody's property. The governor refused the National Guard because he said, oh, we have it under control. And none of the citizens returned. Oh, man. It's occurring to me now that perhaps rioting in the more modern sense of a black riot would be the response to the tactics carried out on them and their grandparents only back in this time about, yeah. well, it seems like a lot of white riots. So you don't, you're coming from another country. Yeah. You don't have power. You're enslaved for, for, for years, hundreds of years. These riots are a white thing. Yeah. It, it's it's making I'm processing it live right right now on air. The idea of a, of a black riot, the racist idea of a black riot, only comes out of a white tendency. That's mm-hmm. that's how white people dealt with their problems in 1919, in 1920, and 1921. That's how white people dealt with their problems. 
which is not even a problem. So then by the 19th, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're made up problems. Uh, so, <laughs> God. So by the 1960s and all through, through today, a black, a riot has a black racial connotation <laughs> because of a white tendency. Mm-hmm. It's a white happenstance. Am I yeah. And I know I'm stretching here, but it, 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 the whole narrative gets turned on its back. This, these are the kinds of things we need to be exposing about how when you say this particular thing, it actually comes from this reference, which actually means you're purporting racism. And we've got to understand where that exists. We've got to call it out. Going mm-hmm. back to what I said earlier, is we've got to really start exercising that. This whole idea, of, um, we, we already touched on trying to change the name. You know, we're changing the name from riot, the, the riot Tulsa Riot Massacre. massacre uh, the white, the riot to massacre. That's the that's the attack there of like, well, the verbiage is important, and how did we get the connotation of a black riot just down to riot, mm-hmm. to the point where that is harmful to a movement happening in 2020? Yeah, the, that's the reality of it. If you say riot now in 2020 in Minneapolis. It instantly did have a, a racial, negative racial connotation, except if, if you do the history here and dig it up, it actually is, uh, it's a mm-hmm. white tactic. We yeah. did it to them. From the early 1900s, which mm-hmm. people, nobody's alive to even remember that. It's, uh, and again, how? How do, we not, how do we not learn this? How mm-hmm. did we not hear this? We've got to be chasing that down and answering so here's, that question. So here's the learning. The unveiling, like I said, of the massacre in 82 by this journalist, there came into the forefront, kept pushing it. There was a 1994 court case in Florida yeah. that was accepted and they were seeking reparations and they succeeded. This is the first time in Florida history where they got oh reparations. Yeah, so yeah. there was payment of $150,000 to each person who could prove that they lived in Rosewood during 1923. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there were only oh, nine. Oh, what yeah. if we took all of these instances, all of these cities, the whole Red Summer, all of them, we found all these racially instigated uh, attacks on full cities, and we took the residents there, and then we tracked down the their, their, their children uh, and all the people connected to them. Yeah. What are the economic repercussions of what happened in these cities? Well, and a lot of people that... Or won't get into reparations too much. Sure, because I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying the economic. Well, that's what uh, I mean. Repercussions like of all of this. A lot of, Who's so all connected? The to question. These so I'll get into reparations in regards to the Tulsa thing. Yeah, so yeah. this case happens in '44, where they the reparations was cash in hand, which some people believe in, some people don't. Gotcha. And so Tulsa then in 1996, this is the 75 year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, and there was a commission that was legislated to study. The Race Massacre of 21. It was organized by this guy, Don Ross. He is a Tulsa Mm. and a Greenwood native. He didn't know about it until a high school teacher showed him photos from the time. And in the 70s, he was one of the first journalists to uncover the Tulsa Massacre. Really? Though nobody was really following it. So then when he became a state legislator, and then this case is happening in Florida in 94, he decides, oh, let's create this commission to study this and see what reparations are due here. Right. So the final report was published in 2001 and it recommended oh, a program man. of reparations. Yeah. And that was the thing where it wasn't even so much like there's there's money involved, but also what about scholarships, more economic right. development? How do you- A how memorial do you, park, just think like- How doesn't do you just make up for an money. education not, not gained? How do you right. make up for opportunities Or like you said robbed. last week where it's like, oh, maybe here's somebody who could have solved this issue with cancer. Here's somebody here, but they- they didn't. 
because we spent they weren't our afforded money the opportunity. Bombing. They yeah. were robbed mm-hmm. and didn't yeah. even know it. Nobody even realized it was happening. Yeah. So this, in the case of this, there is a bit of a sad note to it. Scholarships were established. A memorial park was built, but there was no financial reparations. Over 200 people sued the state saying, well, that was a part of this commission was to show here's here's what happened. What did the insurance companies have to say? Is there insurance? What does insurance even look like in 1921? You know, yeah. It was denied. uh, So not the case now. And that's a big difference now when you see all this property damage on on what was happening in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago. Um, Almost every single business you can point to on the street has has insurance policies. So Mm -hmm. what you're seeing transpire actually has an economic uh, repercussion that is is equal and just. That's not the case back then. Um, yeah. That's all another just had to leave. Right. Everybody, all the violence you saw ha- happen in our time, most of those business uh, owners got their their fair share paid back. Most of those places are already repaired. We're only talking a couple weeks ago. Most of those places yeah. are back into. Go- this is a, an instance where, no, no, they didn't get anything. Greenwood didn't become the Black Wall Street again. So this is how Tim Madigan, the guy who wrote the book in 2001, hears about it because he learned about the commission that was researching it at the end of the 90s. So he does his own research as well. And that's why his book comes out at the exact same time as the commission's final report in 2001 comes out, which of course then Damon Lindelof learned about it through an article in 2014, then read the book and puts it into Watchmen. So the the takeaway that I kind of got from this is, and we've been hovering around all these different issues, but not concealing info. Like, what do we do with this info? Cool, learned all about this stuff. Well, that's what you do with it, is you become interested. You learn more about it. You you find out, you see people who are trying to teach this through, and that's what's great about Watchmen, media, movies. Like, who knew that an issue a hundred years before was going to be in a a, a TV show about superheroes? Right. I saw when this when the show premiered in the in uh, the fall of 2019, I saw headlines from uh, uh, Oklahoma saying that people in the state had uh, learned of the event for the first time that uh, that lawmakers were learning of the event for the first time because of the show. There's a huge problem with that. And it's not by it's not just by mistake. It's not just by happenstance. I, I'm not sure that anybody is responsible, particularly for making it that way. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, but like there you is are a the reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you are the traffic, and I think that that has got to be that is a great way to put it. And we've got to start thinking about that. Are am I complicit in some way? I've got to be really actively thinking about the role that I'm playing. Um, yeah. I wanted to point to some other pieces of media since we're talking about that. If this stirred something in you and you're like, help me, please. We, yeah. Like we said, we don't know anything at all. We're on this too. Yeah. But we're willing to try and figure out more information about this. So I was looking into uh, Donald Byrd, who is a famous choreographer. If this is a different tack, if you don't yeah. care about movies or books, choreographed a modern dance work called Greenwood, which premiered on oh, wow. December 6th of 2019 in New York City. The performance is free on YouTube. I'll post a link. All of this stuff will be in our links, but you can watch it. It's incredible. Oh, man. It's like a 45-minute thing involving, and there's the, you can see through dance the issue of, oh, were they, were it with Sarah Page and Dick Rowland, were they in a relationship? Oh, yeah. Uh, All of that stuff gets all of the stuff that, that how the, the black family sort of represents the community he puts in all of these elements in oh that's contemporary that sounds dance. gorgeous that sounds really it's incredible gorgeous. 
Um, there is, if you're interested in education or if you are a teacher and you're thinking, okay, how can I use this or learn more? There is a project called the Zin Education Project, and they collaborated with another project called Rethinking Schools, and then another mm. thing called Teaching for Change. So I'll post a link. It's a website, and it's got free downloadable lessons, articles organized oh, by theme, yeah. by time period, by yeah. reading level. Like they've done all the work. <laughs> There's a whole book called Teaching for Black Lives, right? I've where heard that. It, yeah. it changes the narrative and saying, "Hey, this is all these things that happened too." Yeah, fantastic. and this is how it affected things. Oh, and just to reiterate uh, that the Watchmen HBO series—I don't, I don't know if it's still available for free, but this I think past, it's on Hulu for yeah, free. It, uh, they, I know that HBO put it up wholesale the weekend of June nineteenth uh, that yeah. just passed. They put it up wholesale for free. You can access it any from anywhere, any way. I don't know if it's still that way, but yeah. again, uh, like Taylor said, it is on Hulu, uh, and if you just go through HBO, you can see it there. There's a way to get it. Uh, but right. I, I, I mean, I. If you want to find a way to get interested, that's the thing. Like you were mm-hmm. talking about, there's you have to find an end. There has to be, yeah. you have to you have to be talking about something. You have to be, and and for us to do any better, uh, we've got to get interested. And some it takes a spark. It takes a certain kind of yeah. thing. If this has gotten you thinking, please go check it out. And here's the last thing to check out. And this is going to blow your mind. So I, as I was looking in through all of this stuff going through all of the dates and the stories and the massacres and just the craziness. The book that I read ended up becoming a thing was because of this place, Rosewood, this hidden massacre that nobody talked about for 70 years. There was a movie made about Rosewood. It came out in 1997. So a few years after the case for reparations was approved, it was made by John Singleton, who did Boys in the Hood. Oh, man. He used Regina King in three of his films. Oh, man. Unfortunately, super tragic. He died of a stroke last year. He was only 51 years old. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that John Singleton had died. That's horrible. This film got critical acclaim, but didn't make its budget back. I want to read the review from Roger Ebert, 3.5 out of four stars. It had Don Cheadle, Ving Rhames, John Voight as the one white uh, store owner in the town Just an incredible work. Roger Ebert's review. What makes it more is the way it shows how racism breeds and feeds and is taught by father to son. It's not easily summarized in ads and does not obviously appeal to either blacks, since it documents such a depressing chapter, or whites, depicted as murderous or ineffectual. Perhaps it will appeal to people looking for a well-made film that tells a gripping, important story. Now there's a notion. So I, I highly recommend I'll post links to yeah. it, but that exists and maybe there will be more things yeah. like that. And that's the point. It, it's not like D- Damon Lindelof was saying in regards to Watchmen, he had assembled a, for his writing team, he had half the writers hmm. that were black and half of them that were female because he said, I, I, I don't know anything about this. It's yeah. not right what you know. It's right what you're trying to understand. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. he was like, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm interested. I don't understand this. Yeah. So help me. And he said when he was looking for people to work with in terms of the writing, if there were people that were like, "Oh, this is amazing. This is going to be great," he didn't want them. But somebody that said, "Uh, this is this is really tough, but it's going to be interesting." Right. He's like, "I want you because yeah. you're going to push back. You're going to say, "Oh, like I like to talk, and I have no idea right. what I'm talking about." Right. So he's like, "This is the sh- this is his the work that he did the most listening on." Oh wow. Um, but these things are out there. The last thing I wanted to to bring up is, like we said, 
this has now passed. I found an interview with the last living person to survive the massacre. She was six years old when it happened. Her name was Olivia Hooker, and she hid under a table in her home as men looted and destroyed. Oh my God. She was the first African-American woman to serve in the Coast Guard really? because she was rejected from the Navy in World War II. Oh she man. went to earn her doctorates in psychology, and she was the mental health organizer at a woman's correctional facility. She worked with children with Down syndrome. Oh, just an amazing an incredible, woman. She, incredible life, yeah. That's she lived to be work. 103 and died in 2018. And I just wanted to uh, play a small portion of the interview, some audio from when they were talking to her about yeah. what she thought about this. Is anything going to change? And the optimism that she had in spite of her whole 103-year yeah. life. God. We thought we might live long enough to see something happen, but... Even though I've lived 99 years, nothing of that sort has actually happened. You keep hope alive, so to speak, and we'll just keep right on trying, never giving up, never, never giving up. Makes you feel small, in a way, and it puts context from you know i've only been on this earth you know 27 years yeah um we have so much to learn there's so much that we don't know and we've got to start taking responsibility for that yeah um so um thank you guys for coming on this journey with us i hope that this has been um enlightening to you i hope, I hope this has sparked some interest in it um yeah we're gonna keep working on it thank you bye <laughs>